We are women. Hi, I'm Dawn and I'm with these lovely ladies today, Rebecca, Sade, Aya, and Danielle. And this is the We Are Women podcast. Every episode features different amazing women sharing their stories. On this edition, we'll be discussing women in work. And throughout, we'll be hearing from Claire Hong, a digital executive producer at ITV. And thank you to you two for all your contributions. Enjoy! Hello, I'm Lorraine and I'm a speech and language therapist. I'm Rosie and I am a gardener. I'm Charlotte and I'm a corporate fundraiser. I'm Pippa and I'm a recruitment consultant. Hello, I'm Caroline Boyd and during lockdown I was placed on furlough and I set up my own creative business, Boy Oh Boy Designs, doing graphic design and illustrations in the local community. Always been interested in art and it's really taken off over the last 10 months. Really enjoying it. On this edition, we'll be discussing women in work. I'm very passionate about women in work because there is a dignity and sense of purpose and achievement that comes with being gainfully employed as a woman. We are mothers, homemakers, carers, sisters, and friends, but we're so much more and have a lot to offer to the achievement of the economic development of our community and country if given the opportunity. Here with us today is Claire Ong, digital executive producer for ITV. She has worked on numerous programs like Coronation Street, Emma Dell, and Strictly Come Dancing. Hello, Claire. And Hi. thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. So for people like me who may not understand your job, what do you actually do? <laughs> it's a good question. I guess when you kind of see a lot of TV shows, alongside the TV shows, they have um, things that support them on social media or yeah. on the website, or sometimes they have apps. And the digital content team is the team that's responsible kind of for making all that content, but making sure it gets out there, publishing. So every time you talk to someone on a social media page alongside a show, that's kind of what we're involved with. Fascinating. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am not a young lady anymore. Um, I wish I was. I'm 40. I was born in the UK, um, but I've pretty much been in Manchester since I was about five years old. So I count myself as a Mancunian. Uh, Raised on a council estate in Beswick, which if anyone doesn't know it, is near what is now the new Manchester city ground, in my view. I went to college in Manchester, went to uni in Manchester, and my son in Manchester as well. I come from a Chinese background in terms of my parents who immigrated here as kind of Vietnamese, strangely, refugees back in the 70s. Um, And then my son as well has kind of a mixed heritage in that his dad is kind of Indian Asian. Wow, that's a lot of mixture. (laughs) (laughs) Very diverse. (laughs) Being from um, Chinese background, were there any pressures or were there expectations of what you should be as a woman? You know, it's really interesting. I remember when I was working as a diversity officer, I saw that one of the things about Chinese people and Asian families generally was that they have two parents and there's a very tight-knit family unit. And, you know, when I was growing up, there were a lot of soap operas and things that where I would watch when my mum and dad from, imported from China, where the mum is in the very traditional role. So she would stay at home. My mum did stay at home. And, you know, you were almost judged on 
are you a good wife? You know, like everything I thought about being really gentle and having good manners and being really good at, you know, cleaning a house was all to kind of like prep me for when I became a wife and mum. But the really good thing is my mum and dad never, ever said to me that I had to do those things. There were a lot of things like from the kind of press and media from that were coming from the kind of Southeast Asia part of the world. You know, an attractive girl's a quiet girl or a skinny girl is mm. one that's going to get the boys. But my mum and dad never did that. And I think that was because my mum, when she was younger, was quite bullshy. And she mm. would go off and do a lot of things that weren't expected of women. So she went off and drove JCB trucks or, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> wow. She was the one, like, in the village. She was, like, leading the stand on things. And I think when she came to the UK, it was really interesting that she almost went backwards and became a housewife. Yeah. Whereas because she didn't have the language skills all the education to actually get a job that would have I think would actually benefited her as she's a natural leader her and my dad saw that I was quite bullshy and I was quite like no I'm quite high achieving I want to really do well in life they never clipped my wings so I was incredibly lucky that both my dad and mum never put that pressure on me but I, I definitely saw from other Chinese families you know it was very much the wife stayed at home and the husband went out and they valued education. I think that's a really interesting thing because we were on a council estate with lots of people, same social and economic issues, went to the same schools as they did. You know, I think my school was the second worst school in Manchester. It was Paul Allen Wilkinson. But I think the difference was is that my mum and dad were like, go to the library, read the books. Even if they didn't understand what Shakespeare was or they couldn't take me to the theatre or they couldn't give me that level of culture, they encouraged me to go off and do it um, and to go to university. You know, I think my mum and dad would have shoved me to university whether I was smart enough or not, you know, just because that's why they came to this country. Mm. They wanted the opportunity for their kids to do, you know, better than they got to do in their country. There's a book I read called Anna Green Gables when I was a kid and I bloody loved it. She was really smart, you know, her up against Gilbert Blythe, who was the guy she ended up marrying, and she was always the top dog in school, and she was always fighting, and she was the first person from the island to go to university. She did really well, and then she did three years of working, and she got married, she stopped working. And I was like, what's that about? Why have you worked all your life? You fought with your husband, Gilbert, to be the top dog at school. You fought to go to university, you know, and then you did three years of teaching, which is great. At least you worked. And then she got married and she stopped working. And then she had like eight kids. And I was like, <laughs> you were halfway there. You know what I mean? You should have had eight kids. And then Gilbert should have stayed at home. You should become like a journalist or I think she did like become a writer on the side. But I think that was almost like, that's what I don't want. I don't want to come out of Green Gables. I don't want to have busted a gut for all the boys at school, gone to university and then God, I've got married now. None of that's any use anymore. Just going to stay over and have eight kids. I was, yeah, so that's the template of, I think, how not to do it. You know, don't be a smart, intelligent, clever woman who does really well and then go, I'm just going to lie down now and let, yeah. let, let the men take control because then that's how they take over the world, girls. And, you know, yeah. you've got to fight back. Yeah, that's quite true. I think sometimes the encouragement we get from parents and people around us sometimes go a long way to shape what we'll become. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. and I think 
I encourage my son to, you know, try and do things that aren't just football. Like yeah. if you can do dancing, do dancing. Yeah. We've been to a pride event. So he understands what it means to be an LGBT yeah. ally. You know, we've talked about Black Lives Matter, but the next thing I need to do is uh, around how men treat women. And it's very much like, yeah. it's not enough for women to have to defend women. Women yes. need to bring up men yeah. that understand and respect women as well. And that's, that's my next job. As a mom is to do that. We are women. In light of what's happened to Sarah Everard recently and to the many women who have lost their lives, we need to keep talking and having conversations with our male friends, colleagues, partners and sons. Every woman you know has taken a different route. Every woman you know has held keys for self-defence. Every woman you know has made a fake phone call. Every woman you know has turned a corner and run. Every woman you know has walked in fear. Safety is a right, not a privilege. Hi, I'm Diane and I'm a process excellence analyst. I'm Kelly and I'm an actress. Hi, I'm Joey and I'm the female genital mutilation prevention programme manager for the NHS. Hi, my name's Ness. I'm a self-taught chef. Last winter, a year ago, I was in the Canadian Rockies doing my dream job, chefing in a mountain lodge, getting helicoptered in and out for ski tourers. But Corona ruined that and I had to come back to the UK very, very frustratingly. I have had issues with my legs, so I actually haven't been able to chef much since then. And most recently, I thought, why don't I start up a takeaway from my flat in Ramsbottom where I moved back to a few months prior. I have only been doing it seven weeks, but it's going really well. Super, super chuffed. The locals are, you know, a lot of them are telling me that I'm filling a gap in the market and there's no Middle Eastern food anywhere nearby and that they're all excited by a new cuisine. How did you balance it, your work and your life responsibilities? To be honest, very badly. So before lockdown, I guess I felt really bad because my son had to have a lot of support in terms of the levels of childcare that he was having just so I could do my job. But I'd have to do all the other things as well. So I remember like I was talking to some male colleagues of mine once who were the same level I was at work. And they were moaning about the hours, you know, and they were saying There's so much stuff at work. Yeah. And I was like, you guys have got wives at home and the wives do all your laundry. They sort out <laughs> your meals. They're sorting out the holidays. So their wives like, you know, at most did like part time jobs. I was like, I'm doing your job and I'm doing your wife's job as well. <laughs> so I'm not just doing, you know, my job. I'm having to work out like every time it's a family member's birthday, guess who's sorting out the present. Yeah. And I read about it and it was called something called the triple shift. And they were like, you know, as a woman, yeah. you do your job you're a mum as well because you no matter what happens you're usually the first port of call but then you also are like working out even if you're not physically doing stuff yeah. your head is constantly working yes. out what is the next thing that needs to be done at home so have the bins gone out do we have food in the cupboards has sure. that bill been paid and you are just constantly balancing all these plates so it was it's really non-stop. hard non-stop. non-stop so how did you deal with the pressure 
I guess I didn't sleep very much. A joke, and it's not really a joke, but it is a joke. For the first four years of my son's life, I didn't sleep because I was still also getting up to do the night feeds because he, yeah. he was getting up at night. I guess I used to try and take like a bit of time to myself. So I would play as that, but I would play Candy Crush. And that would be my downtime. Yeah. Um, and then I read lots of books as I had my arm wrapped around my son trying to get him to sleep. I'd have a book on the go. And that was my me time. <laughs> You're a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> no, lots of women do it as well. And that's everyone really wants to do it is a superstar. Yeah. Do women in your profession have a hard time getting promoted? I don't necessarily think it's because they're a woman. Yeah that they or their skills or their lack of skills that they struggle get promoted i think what makes it hard to get promoted is that they're a mom yeah. so if you look at not just my industry schools is a really interesting one yeah schools is something where you have a lot of females uh, like entry level so you know a lot of teachers who profession in primary school but then you look at the head teachers and it's always males yeah at the top um you know it's the same in a lot of jobs and a lot of that is i think very much in the found research facts that show is that when you become a mom like so the level that you're a female and you're with a male and you're not a mom yeah. it's pretty much similar to be honest with you but then when you become a mom what has to happen is your career not all the time, not every single person. I have to, yeah. I have to yeah. say that, but majority of people, the woman is the one who has to take the step back. The first baby you have, your career instantly dips. So I found mm-hmm. that. I found I was working in one job at the BBC at a certain level. I went over to ITV, got to a certain level, had a baby and had to come back and go back down yeah. because that was the only job available to me that yeah. I could yeah. balance um, having the baby at the same time. And they were brilliant, but it just means that because you're a mom, I then had to go into part-time work for at least two years. Is. then I had to do another two years to catch myself up so now I'm in the position where the bosses that I have are younger than me but male <laughs> but when they had their kids they never had to do that kind of yeah. drop back down and drop up again and I think especially if you have more than one child I know a lot of moms who had a lot more than one child and they've just gone it's not worth my while to go back to work again yeah and they drop out of working completely so it's more I think that is kind of a lot of the barriers and I think you see that a lot when you see women who are successful not everyone again but you know like politicians and such you know you see Angela Merkel you see Theresa May they don't necessarily have kids so they've not taken that step where they've had to drop back down to take responsibility for the children and then try and build their way back up again and then you know, I, I can't say it's true, but I imagine some businesses where there is a stigma of, oh, because she's a mom, maybe she can't work the hours I need my workers yeah. to work. Whereas they would never question that of a male. It's quite true. Because like myself, I've got three kids. Mm. I've had to take a long time off work. Because exactly. when you look at it, there isn't that much out there. For people to do a job where you can really balance the work and the kids. So we need more flexibility in the workplace, especially for mothers, yeah. Absolutely. And I think like as well, if you're going to do it, let the dads have time off. And let the dads be the ones that take the paternity leave. Fingers crossed we'll get there someday. (laughs) Have you ever been afraid on the job? On the job and the responsibility that comes with it? Maybe scared of of failing yes and And I think everyone does so and this is a really interesting thing because I did read about this as a a difference between male and females females will sometimes 
not go for a job until they think that they're qualified. You know, they'll see a job description and, uh, oh, I've done like 90% of that. Maybe I can apply for it and see if I can fudge the last 10%. Yeah. But I've read that men will see a job description and be about 60% qualified and go for it anyway. You yeah. know, and I think sometimes that's a bit of confidence that we could benefit from because I think we could, a lot of the jobs very rarely are written for you. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of take it, see how you can do. Um, and then if anything, just mold it into what you want to do anyway. And I think maybe women sometimes just are a bit less confident about making that leap. I've never been bothered <laughs> about making that leap. I will always go and take the job anyway um, and then see what happens on the other side of it. And there's been some scary things that have happened and there's been some things I haven't got right. But I think what helps is working in an organisation that's not scared of failure and seeing failure as an opportunity to learn yeah, something right, new yeah. rather than an opportunity to punish. So I, I know I'm extremely lucky where I work that I have that. Hi, my name is Michelle Husser. I'd like to tell you about my job in configuration management at Jodrell Bank Radio Astronomy Observatory in Cheshire. It is home to the world-famous Lovell Telescope and um, is famous worldwide for conducting some of the most groundbreaking science um, still to this day. I don't have a scientific background, I will be completely honest. I was very attracted to the role for the location because I am fascinated by all things universe, space, what's out there, are we alone, how did the universe start, how will it end, I love all of those questions and more, I love talking about it, I love thinking about it, I can do my own head in with it and other people's I'm sure. My actual role is based with the Square Kilometre Array organisation and along with an international collaboration of scientists and engineers, the SKA will become two sets of new telescopes to be based in Western Australia and in South Africa. The locations are chosen specifically because they are two of the most remote places on the Earth, meaning that there is the least radio silence. This really means that the very clever engineers and scientists that are working on the project really get a chance to show off their advanced thinking and their advanced technology. Hopefully sourcing us some of those all-important answers from the skies. During the pandemic, I have been working at home. I've gained a lot of time back and thought, you know, what is really driving me here? What makes me really happy? What am I actually really passionate about now that I've got time to stop and think? And all of my attention turned to writing, which is something that I've been doing creatively since I was a small child. I'd be writing little poems in school notebooks. I remember my auntie Mary saying to me, when you publish your first book, you need to make sure that my name's in there. So I'm happy to say, Mary, that that's happened is quite an achievement. Over the, the last 12 months, I found myself joining a writer's group. And they're called Autumn Writer's Circle. Really nice environment, really supportive. And I started to kind of overcome what has been really a chronic kind of shyness or nervousness about sharing my work with other people. I'm going to read a poem from my debut poetry collection, Edges. It's actually the title poem. I walk, my head turns left to look behind, 
my body follows. I look right, my body follows. There is no stillness as you look at me from points in the room, from the edges you dance upon, from the boundary you place around me and in between us. My body follows. You, there, all of your lights switching on and off and on and off. I want to show you your colours and how they match mine. Like many people, again, I've suffered loss, in particular losing my father, a very close cousin of mine and a best friend too. And I think that it was a comfort to be able to channel emotionally, creatively, and it felt authentic. It's mortifying sharing poetry because it does come straight from the heart. My inner workings, I guess. I don't remember I actually want to say that, but I just did. So the collection is available now through Amazon and it is through Art and Publishing Limited. Nusam Fam. We are women. What has been the most significant barrier in your career, if any? I'm really lucky that I've not faced it too much, but I have worked, you know, in the past around diversity and I've seen a lot of people have barriers just around things like, do you have the right accent? Have you got the right degree? I'm actually lucky that in terms of being from a Chinese background, they've done a lot of studies about, you know, like how people view different races. And actually the Chinese race, the stereotypes they have, a lot of Chinese people being quite positive because of, you know, they're supposed to be good in school and supposed to be good in maths and they're supposed to be quite quiet. I've always gone the other way and been really loud um, (laughs) just to combat that and sometimes people don't expect it so they'll meet me in a job and they'll be like oh she'll be really good at relationship management and then I'll be really feisty and sometimes (laughs) they don't expect that so it's not really a a barrier (laughs) and like like but you know it's really interesting and sometimes I've I've seen barriers for like um, other people where they're they are women or they don't have the right accent and people have kind of gone oh they must not fit in with us and I think that's the really difficult thing is whether people know they're doing it or not a lot of people hire in their own image they'll talk to someone in an interview and it almost doesn't matter what comes out their mouth because they'll be like oh are they our type of person? Do they think we think they'll be a good fit yeah. in the office? Which to me, I'm air quoting that, fit sometimes mean like, are they like us, basically? Would they yeah. get on with us at a team barbecue? Have you ever felt pressure from society about being a working mum? Yes, very much so. And I don't know if this is my own perception or it's lots of different bits of information that you get from you know, the books you read, the TV shows that you see. But a couple of years ago, actually, I took time to move to London because there was a job in London. It was a short-term job, it was four months. But I had to go over there for like four days a week and leave my son with his dad um, to look after. And I felt like such a failure, you know, doing that job. Because on one hand, I knew doing the job would be amazing, and it was. I mean, doing that job has got me the job I've got now. But at the same time, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm leaving my son yeah. with his dad. I'm not seeing him four or five days a week. I was trying to balance, still trying to see him as much as I could, you know, FaceTiming him every day, running back on weekends, even yeah. though the last four weeks of that show was working weekends as well. Wow. And it was really hard. 
no one I think ever judged me, but yeah. I think there was a few surprise looks even in the office when I was like, oh yeah, I'm a mum. And people were like, you're a mum? Oh, is your family in London? And I'd be like, no, my son's in Manchester. And I'd be like, wait, you're, you're, your son's in Manchester, but you're here. Yeah, you know, yeah. whereas they would never, you know, like if you, if you were a dad and you had to like fly off to America because you had a conference for a week, you know, no one would ever go like, oh, you've left your kids or, you know mm-hmm. you've had to do short-term contract leave your kids whereas I felt very much that and I, I always felt like my house was always a mess I always felt that was very much my fault because yeah, yeah. I hadn't sorted the, the house out you know and, and if like my son was in in I don't know he would grow out of his school uniform and it wouldn't quite fit him and he would be the kid going to school in the wrong uniform it's like oh my god I failed because <laughs> yeah I've I've not been the person keeping an eye on my son growing. So you kind of constantly like anything that's wrong in your home life, yeah. you feel like is your fault yeah. because you've been too busy working. And yeah. even though that's acceptable in a man, it's kind of like not accept. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's acceptable in society for a woman. Yeah. You know, someone asked me once, what's the thing you're most proud of? And I was like, oh, you know, it's an award I've won or it's a job that I've worked on. And then I had to backtrack and go, no, 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 it's the birth of my son. (laughs) And I felt like that should have been the right answer as a woman. It's like, but how can you put your job before? You know, surely you should be more proud of your your son or your children before. And I was like, I am proud of my son. I love my son. I love being a mom. But I didn't work at school from the age of six to 21 to become a mum I did all those qualifications and I worked at all those exams because I wanted a job and I wanted to provide for my kids and you know when someone goes on my gravestone at the end of the day or writes my obituary and mum is going to be one line yeah my obituary is going to be this was the job she did and this was the things that she achieved and she was a mum and she was a loving mum and she loved her son you know nowhere ever goes Tchaikovsky was a great dad only wrote a couple of plays you know or wrote a couple of you know like it's, it's, not, it's, like, it's not how it works is it yeah so why is it that women are expected their first thing is and their identifier is they were a parent first yeah. oh and then they did a few jobs that's really something to think about yeah and my last question would be who inspired you and why it's a really good question and I think about this often when I first was at ITV I had a boss and she was brilliant and she was called Helen Pendlebury and she literally just got on with it so when other people were putting barriers up she was the first one that I kind of saw who was female who was just like just went and did stuff and she wasn't worried about what people would think of her for doing it and I was like that's amazing because I was always like oh but if I do this you know, like, will I annoy that person? And again, I think that's a female thing where you like worry yeah. about what the other people think <laughs> of you for doing it. Whereas like the blokes just go off and like act like a bull in a china shop. And it's yeah. like, they're right to act like that. And then women does it and it's like, oh, well, you're a bit much, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> aren't you? So I think she was the first one that I always remember was incredibly feisty. And then I think when I was at the BBC as well, there was a lady called Cheryl Taylor and she was, amazing and she was like headed up cbbc at the time and she was a mom i don't think she was married at the time so i think she was like bringing up her kids and but she was like working this really high-powered job but she was like the opposite of helen she was like really down to earth 
she got things done but without having to be feisty and boisterous as well and it was really good to see the balance of the kind of two ways that you could be and successfully be a powerful woman in a workplace yeah and take both sides from it so sometimes if I need to I'll be like well I actually don't care if I'm going to annoy this person because I just need to get it done and the fact that I'm female shouldn't stain my reputation because if I was a male and I was doing that people would just accept it but at the same time I think what I learned from Cheryl was apart from she was amazing and so in awe of her but she was also someone who was very good at like balancing she would use the fact that she had children to her advantage so she would say like oh you know like looking at what my children are watching this is what they're interested in yeah she would work her life around it but you never felt like she was missing them out so I was like but because she was a mum she was very sympathetic to the other mums as well and that was something that I think I could take and go like I don't feel like other mums have to bust their gut just because I bust my gut what I should take from it is she's been sympathetic to other mums and gone like do what you need to do to be a mum oh that's good yeah and then that's something you pass it on so you know what I mean like when you identify and you become it and you suddenly go like oh that's the barrier (laughs) (laughs) is when you then go how can I make that easier for the next group of women coming through as well by not judging them thanks so much for that Claire Something to think about, the percentage of women in work in UK as of December 2020 was 71.8%, down from a record high of 72.4% the year before, compared to the male employment rate of 80.6%. We need to think as organizations, businesses, and government, what are we doing to remove the barriers to employment for women? How can we make the workplace more flexible for women with caring responsibilities? How can we help those who have been away from paid employment for so long, especially women who have been off due to ill health, to look after kids or other family members? How to help them back in work? Is the pay disparity between men and women doing the same job fair? If you would like to keep this conversation going, come visit our Facebook page, 16 Days GM and get involved with the chat. Oh, and that's 16 Days GM, the number 16. Thanks Thanks for listening. listening.